0: Get ready, America. This is Declaring Liberty. Welcome, my friends. Thank you for joining me. This is Mark Pantano. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to discuss Democrats and the mess they have on their hands, they're in big trouble. And we're going to talk about that. Illegal votes in Texas. There's a new report out that the voting rolls down there are just loaded with non-citizens who have been voting in Texas elections. We're going to address that. We're also, I've got more to say about the Covington kids and the media treatment of those kids, and some legal ramifications for them. So we're going to get into that. And I'm also going to be talking about uh, tax returns and President Trump. The Democrats, you probably have heard this, are making a push to force the president to turn over 10 years of his tax records. And we're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about the politics and the Constitution surrounding that issue but let's get straight into the first issue and that is the democrat party and the disarray to put it lightly which they find themselves in the democrats are really really excited for 2020 they think this is going to be a cakewalk for them right they think they tell us how how unpopular president trump is and he's just easy pickings and that anybody that they nominate is just going to walk all over Trump. It's They're just going to have a cakewalk to the 270 electoral votes that they need. But that just uh, that might not be so true. Now, I'm not going to uh, whitewash our problems. And our problems have to do with the Electoral College and the way that the states have been trending and I talked about this last episode and I'm going to talk about this a lot more in the future because we do have some serious structural problems uh, in terms of getting to 270 electoral votes in the Electoral College to, to win the presidency. We've got serious problems because of illegal immigration and because of liberal Democrats relocating from liberal states to conservative states moving from poorly run big government hellholes to well-run low-tax, pro-business, pro-freedom environments like people moving from California to Texas, for example. That is a big problem, coupled with the illegal immigration, and we are on the verge of losing several states that have been red states for quite a while and are on the verge of turning blue because of those two reasons. So. We are starting out with a serious problem. Having said that, politically, the Democrats are, are in heap big trouble. Now, you have seen that Kamala Harris just announced her candidacy. And there's a lot of buzz around her. I'm, and, and the reasons for that are obvious. She's a woman and she's uh, you know, a, woman, a person of color. I don't really care about either one of those two things, but it's very, very important to the left. That's, you know, identity politics, that is the driving force on their side. And Bernie Bernie Sanders has some words. We're going to get into that later. Bernie Sanders isn't so happy uh, that the Democrats are so fixated on identity politics. Of, of, of course, he's a, he's a white guy. It doesn't help him. But anyway, so Kamala Harris, she's got all this buzz around her. She's a person of color. I'm not even to be honest with you I'm not even really sure what her heritage is. I think she's like part Iranian and part Jamaican or something. I really don't know and I really don't care. She's a person of color. Leave it at that. Um it doesn't matter to us, it matters to them. But that's that's the reason for the buzz. Other than that, what would be the reason for the buzz? She's a first-term senator. She's done absolutely nothing of note. I mean, in that respect, she's like Barack Obama. So because she's done nothing of note, she's unaccomplished as a senator, does not mean she can't win. We we have seen this before. They can nominate a complete lightweight in terms of accomplishment. Um, I'm not going to say in terms of intelligence with respect to Barack Obama. I don't think he's a, a stupid person. I do, however, think uh, Kamala Harris is not the sharpest knife in the drawer but the point is she's unaccomplished she's only even being taken seriously as a presidential candidate because of her ethnic you know racial background and her gender that's it there's there's nothing else about Kamala Harris to recommend her for president nothing so let's at least be honest about that so she comes out she makes this she makes her announcement that she's running for president official over the weekend. And I saw some reports that she drew crowds in excess of like 20,000 people. And Barack Obama when he announced didn't have crowds that big or or so I read. I I don't know. You can't believe anything you read in the press anyway, but that's what's that's what's being reported about all this. It's funny. Because a lot of people on the left don't like her. She, I saw some articles last week that were taking aim at Kamala Harris because she was a prosecutor. She was the elected district attorney in San Francisco. And uh, that's coming back to bite her because, of course, the left hates law enforcement. And one thing you got to keep in mind is when you look at all these candidates and when we watch the race on that side, is that the Democrats running today and the Democrat Party nominating whoever it is that they nominate, these are not the same people they were just a handful of years ago. And so a district attorney, a former district attorney, identified obviously with law enforcement, is is going to have some issues in today's Democrat Party who absolutely hates law enforcement. They didn't hate law enforcement or at least it wasn't their public position back when Kamala Harris was district attorney. So she didn't think, I know darn well that if she, or I assume, that if she could go back and do it over, she would not take the district attorney route to where she is now. I have no doubt that this woman always fancied herself president. These these leftists have delusions of grandeur. And really, don't most people who go into politics today have delusions of grandeur? I mean, personally, I don't see how running for office is an attractive proposition to anyone. I mean, what you have to go through. I mean, I obviously, I am big into politics. I've been studying this stuff all my life. Um, I'm a political junkie. If I could just insert myself into some elected position... I would probably do it but having to go through what you need to go through to get to that position not attractive to me in the least you have to beg for money you have to suck up you gotta watch everything that you say you gotta kiss this group over here you gotta suck up to this group over here you've gotta be going out giving interviews all the time Uh, and and especially if you're a Republican, what you have to put yourself through and your family through. Oh, so this is getting a little bit off track. But yes, I, I assume that uh, for quite a long time, Kamala Harris has had, you know, these aspirations of high office. And I think that if she could go back, especially given what today's Democrat Party is now, she would uh, not have run for district attorney. So that's that's she's gonna have some problems. She's gonna have some things to answer for as having been a prosecutor, because the left the left doesn't like that. They don't like the prosecutors. So you have that about Kamala. And then over here you also have another little issue. Little old Willie Brown There have been rumors for quite a long time That Kamala Harris was sleeping with Willie Brown and that's how she was able to uh, get some of these appointments to statewide commissions that she served on. That's how she was able to uh, be elected district attorney and all of that. Well, lo and behold, it turns out that all the rumors were true. Mr. Willie Brown has come out and admitted it. He was dating, as he put it. Kamala Harris, while he was married to his wife, who he had been married to since the 50s, I believe, and he came out over the weekend and said, yeah, yeah, I dated Kamala Harris, so what? This from Fox News. Former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown is claiming he had an extramarital affair with Kamala Harris 20 years ago. Willie Brown addressed his past extramarital relationship with U.S. Senator Kamala Harris in his weekly column on Saturday, saying he may have boosted the presidential hopefuls' career. Yes, we dated. It was more than 20 years ago, Brown wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle. Yes, I may have influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was California Assembly Speaker and I certainly helped her with her first race for District Attorney in San Francisco. Brown, 84, pointed out that he also helped the careers of other prominent California Democrats such as U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Governor Gavin Newsom, and U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein. Yeah, but he wasn't sticking it to those people. So we have we have Kamala Harris. Well, let's just continue here. Brown appointed Harris, about 30 years younger than Brown, and just a few years out of law school, a few years out of law school, to two well-paid state commission assignments on the Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and the California Medical Assistance Commission. So, she's just a few years out of law school, and the California Assembly Speaker appoints her to two... Big-time, high-profile state commission boards. Someone just a couple years out of law school. So, we have Kamala Harris, who wants to be president of the United States, who, in the in the era of Me Too, in the era of strong women, and women don't need men for anything, we have Kamala Harris, who gets her start in politics her entire career in politics owes to this start that she got from being appointed to these boards and the only reason she was appointed to these boards was because she was sleeping with the california assembly speaker serious question you know the left is really big on this you know woman hear me roar crap right Do they have any women on their side who achieved their positions through merit, through hard work, or do they all just either ride the coattails of their husband like Hillary Clinton or did they sleep their way to the top like Kamala Harris? I really want to know because we're told how important it is that we've got an you know, we need a female president. We have to have a... We are so backwards in the United States that we haven't had a woman president yet. And women need to... We need women to set the example that they don't need men and the male patriarchy and blah, 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 blah. Yet, the first Democrat nominee for president in the United States who was a female was only... We ever even heard of her only because who her husband was. Hillary Clinton couldn't have ever been elected to anything if she wasn't the former first lady. And now the next, if it's, if it's Kamala Harris, the next female Democrat nominee will have gotten there by sleeping her way into these positions really y'all Democrats you should be embarrassed on the one hand we got to have women on the other hand these are the only kinds of women that can make it that can get a Democrat nomination these are the only kind of women that you people put up there that you elevate back to the story the former mayor also connected Harris with campaign donors which helped her out her opponent for San Francisco District Attorney. So, she's a couple of years out of law school. She starts sleeping with the Speaker of the California Assembly. She gets herself, you know, probably talking over pillow talk with little Willie about what kind of positions she'd like to be appointed to. She gets these statewide commissions. Off the basis of that, she runs for district attorney and Willie sets her up with all the fundraising. So he gets her her resume and he gets her the money. And now she's district attorney thanks to Willie. And from there it's just a springboard up and up and up because of course she checks all the boxes that are important to Democrats. She's a woman of co- she's a woman and she's a person of color. And that's really all you need. As long as you're progressive, because if if you're a woman of color and you're you're a Republican, that that's that's not going to fly. You those people need to be destroyed. Need to be destroyed. You can't be a conservative woman of color. No, 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 no. But as long as you got the right politics, and you're a woman of color, the only way it could get any better for her is if she was actually a man pretending to be a woman. That. That would be even better. But, you know, a female person of color who's a progressive, she's got it pretty good. So, but thank you, Willie Brown, for creating Kamala Harris. Because obviously, she nobody ever would have heard of Kamala Harris if she hadn't been sleeping with Willie Brown. Can we at least all be honest about that? Unless, of course, she found some other well-connected person In California to sleep with. So, I guess I shouldn't really make that assumption that we never would have heard of her. She may very well just have slept with different people to get her way to the top. But assuming that she didn't do that, we never would have heard of her. So, that's what you got. You got Kamala Harris, uh, a lightweight. I mean, this woman, whatever else you want to say about her, she's not terribly bright. If you listen to what the woman says, if you follow what she writes, if you watch these committee hearings, she was on the Judiciary Committee, so we had Brett Kavanaugh, that nomination. We, The Judiciary Committee in the Senate is a high-profile committee, so she's had a lot of opportunity to um, say a lot of stupid things, and she has done so, and she's on Twitter a lot and things like that, and... She says a lot of stupid things. This is not a terribly impressive person. But she is what, you know, you got to put her right up there at the top of the Democrat pack. And it's a big pack. Now, what else we got? Oh, Beto O'Rourke. You know, he's another one who's out there with a lot of buzz on the Democrat side. Why? Because he lost a race for Senate? Oh, but, but Mark he came really really close yeah whatever he lost usually losing isn't a springboard for a higher office but you know he can skateboard and he was in a punk band and i guess that's you know that's a big selling point on the left i guess but beto o'rourke he was not in the congress anymore he lost his race for senate so now he's just married to a multimillionaire, living off of her money. And he uh, recently has gone on, I don't know, he jumped in his car and just kind of went traveling around and blogging as he went. This little, oh look at me, I'm super relatable and down to earth social media campaign that he went on. He gets in his car, he drives around through... A, bunch of states and you know blogging along the way he goes to the dentist and does a facebook live session while he's getting his teeth cleaned or whatever what kind of nut really i mean so beto beto's not doing well or so we would be led to believe i mean you can't when these politicians say anything you don't know if it's an act or if they're being sincere But taking little Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke at face value, he tells us that he's been in a real funk since he lost his election to Ted Cruz. And he recently gave an interview to The Politico. And here's part of what they write. Beto O'Rourke said Friday that it could take him months to decide whether to run for president, adding that he does not want to raise expectations about a 2020 bid. Well, again, I don't know if any of this is true or not, but, you know, waiting months, the problem with waiting months, here, it's really early, it's ridiculously early for all of these presidential candidates to jump in. The problem with waiting is that people commit themselves to candidates. You know, once campaigns start, they hire the political operatives to run the campaigns. They start lining up donors. Donors start getting behind certain candidates. And all those people kind of get snatched up. And if you wait too long, a lot of these people that might otherwise have supported you, joined your campaign, donated to your campaign, have already committed themselves to other campaigns. So that's kind of a problem. However, there's also. Something to be said for waiting. Let all these other candidates kind of burn themselves out. Uh, see how it shakes out. See how the race is is starting to come into play. And then you jump in with a strategy to deal with how the race is kind of shaping. So it might not necessarily be a bad thing if you're, if you're waiting. You're on the Democrat side and, and you're waiting several months to jump in. It might actually be a shrewd move. Could be a big mistake. It just depends. But so he could just be... Coy here, but he says he doesn't want to raise expectations. O'Rourke told Politico after a speaking engagement that he has no timetable for making a decision, which he said could potentially be months away. There are people who are smarter than me on this stuff and study this stuff and are following this and say you've got to do it this way or get in. By this point, or get in this way, if you were to get in it at all, O'Rourke said this morning of his timing. I think the truth is that nobody knows right now the rules on any of this stuff. I just think the rules are being written in the moment. So that's what um, little pouty Beto has to say. He just, you know, uh, there's people who are smarter than me. and I'm just out here trying to find myself. I don't know if I'm going to run or... I'm just living in the moment, man." Back to the article. How do we stop seeing each other as outsiders, O'Rourke wrote, flicking at the communitarian strands around which he would likely weave a presidential campaign? How do we reconcile our differences, account for the injustices visited upon so many, understand the pride that each of us feels for ourselves, our families, our point of view? and respond to the urgent needs of this great democracy at its moment of truth. As the country literally begins to shut down, how can we come together to revive her? Oh my God, this guy. Oh, Little Beto continued, I know we can do it. I can't prove it, but I feel it and I hear it and I see it in the people I meet and talk with. The former Texas congressman became a national sensation during his closer-than-expected loss to Republican Ted Cruz in the Texas Senate race last year, vaulting into the 2020 contest's top tier on the strength of his inspirational campaign. And after raising more than $80 million in his Senate run, O'Rourke is widely considered capable of amassing millions of dollars quickly to fund a 2020 bid. Okay, let's... Let's talk a little bit of truth about that Texas Senate race. Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis, did not become, quote-unquote, a national sensation on the result of his inspirational campaign. Robert Francis became a national sensation because the media promoted him incessantly and obscenely. And why did the media promote him? I mean, there were, they didn't promote everybody like this. We had the entire House of Representatives up. We had a third of the Senate up. We had governors all over the place. There were only a handful of people that got, well, really, nobody got this kind of attention. I think Beto got more attention, loving, slavish, devotional attention from the media than anybody else. And the reason for that is not because Beto was just rocking it on his campaign. And he just had this, you know, this inspirational campaign that people were just lining up behind. No, no. People began lining up behind his campaign after the media started promoting him. The reason the media started promoting him is because they saw Ted Cruz as vulnerable. It has been high on the democrat and therefore the medias hope list to knock off the state of Texas to flip it blue to either win the governorship there or win a senate race there that is like their fever dream and it has been for quite a while and early in the presidential contest before in the in the not presidential contest early in the campaign before the democrats even had a nominee Before Beto even got the nomination, there was early polling that showed Ted Cruz was sort of vulnerable. He did not have high popularity in the state of Texas, and that was mostly because he did not have super high popularity among Republicans. And why? Because just two years earlier, he had been in a bitter primary contest with then-candidate Trump. Who obviously ultimately prevailed over Cruz, but there was a lot of there was a lot of lingering hostility towards Ted Cruz, especially given that Cruz held out his endorsement of Trump. After even up until the uh, Republican National Committee, when Ted Cruz made his speech before the RNC. He didn't come out and endorse nominee Trump at that point and that caused a lot of bitterness there was a lot of lingering anger for ted cruz and therefore he had low popularity for a an incumbent republican running for reelection for the senate in the state of texas couple that with the fact as we have discussed earlier that demographic shifts in texas have been pu- have been pushing that state More and more to the left. So, since he had run the last time, it had been six years, the state moved further left, and people were mad at Cruz. And so he was vulnerable. And given that taking the state of Texas is the left's fever dream, they saw this as an opportunity. And it didn't matter whether it was Robert Francis Beto or if it was one of these other people who were running for the Democrat nomination in uh, 2018. To take on Cruz, whoever the Democrats nominated, the media was going to promote, obsessively promote, because they saw Cruz as vulnerable and they were going to take him down. And whoever the Democrat nominee was, they were going to get behind him. That person was going to be a rock star no matter who it was. So it wasn't because Robert Francis Beto was a rock star. They made him a rock star. What was it about Beto's campaign that was so appealing? Because he was relatively young? Eh, there were a lot of relatively young people running all across the country. That's not it. Was it because he rides a skateboard? I seriously doubt it. Because he plays the guitar and he used to be in a punk band? I I seriously doubt that those are the reasons that got him all this attention. It's ridiculous. It's because the Democrats were going to push him no matter what. Was it his message? He didn't have a message. He specifically tried to go out of his way to not take a position on anything. He just spoke in these vapid generalities, just like he does in this ridiculous political article. I mean, look at some of this crap he says here. Uh, where, Where is it? How do we stop seeing each other as outsiders? How do we reconcile our differences, man? Account for the injustices visited upon so many. Understand the pride that each of us feels in ourselves and our families and our points of view. He just says meaningless nothing feel good banalities. He doesn't take a position on anything. Nothing. That doesn't inspire anybody. Yes, there's a lot of stupid people who would lap up that crap, but only after he is promoted. This stuff doesn't beget, you know, slavish devotion on its own. The media created him and then he got his little slavish cult of Beto White followers. But it was only because the media created him. The guy's a joke. The guy's an absolute joke. And so you have him out there, you have an absolute nobody lightweight, like what was it, like a three-term congressman, and he's in the top tier? That should tell you, just that alone should tell you that the Democrats have some serious problems. If someone like Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke, who clearly adopts a Hispanic-sounding nickname to appeal to the Latinos in Texas, and, oh, by the way, nobody accused him of cultural appropriation. God forbid you're a white person on a college campus and you eat a taco. They they accuse you of cultural appropriation. You're not allowed to do that. But a white Irish guy takes the name Beto and runs for office in Texas and nobody Can you imagine if I ran for office in Texas or anywhere else and I took the name Beto or I started calling myself Marco my name's not Marco, my name's Mark. But if I start running around calling myself Marco, pandering to an Hispanic electorate, don't you think they'd accuse me of cultural appropriation? Of course they would. Republicans don't get away with this kind of stuff. But so, you got this nobody, who, two, three-term congressman, who accomplished absolutely nothing. What does Beto accomplish? Is there some signature piece of legislation that he's known for? Has he been out there battling The good fight on some issue that's, you know, really a big deal to the left. No, he's an absolute nobody. This is cult of personality stuff. It's just cult of personality. And the cult was created by the media. The fact that this guy is considered a top tier candidate shows you that they got problems with their fields of candidates. So you got in the top tier, you've got Beto and you've got Kamala. You have got a nobody lightweight media creation and you got a skank who slept her way to the top. Those are your front runners. But wait. Looky over here. There's been news that Hillary Clinton might run for a th- third attempt at the White House. <laughs> now, I, I hope she's please, Hillary. Don't be teasing us. I would love for her to run again. And here's what's going to happen. If she runs again... She is going to be absolutely humiliated. If I could think of a word stronger than humiliated, I would use it. But humiliated is all I can think of at the moment. And that's exactly what's going to happen to this woman. If she runs for president again, my prediction is she drops out before the Iowa caucuses. She will drop out in shame. She won't even be polling in double digits, is my guess. She is in for a rude awakening and the humiliation. She thought 2016 was a humiliating defeat. She ain't seen nothing yet. She not only was she... She was, a, she was rejected by the country the first time, right? Barely. She will be rejected by her own party this time. And it will be a humiliating defeat. She will be in single digits... This is, this is my prediction. She'll be in single digits, and to save herself the embarrassment, she will drop out before the Iowa caucuses, and she'll give some phony reason as to why. Oh, her health, or her family, you know, her granddaughter is, you know, she's five now, or whatever she is, and she wants to spend more time with her granddaughter, or whatever. She'll give some safe face-saving excuse for why she's got to get out of the race but she will have to drop out before she comes in like eighth behind Julian Castro or something in Iowa that's what's going to happen to her so she's a, but she's out there she's out there and you know you got to consider her as a heavy hitter at this point just because she was the nominee last go round but i think she would she, she she'd be humiliated so are there any other big candidates that could be considered top tier Candidates. Well, you got Joe. You got old gropey Joe. He's out there waffling on the fence. And, of course, there have been articles out there. He's very upset with Barack Obama because Obama has been giving attention to some of the other candidates, some of these younger people like Beto and Kamala. And he's just not showing any love to old gropey Joe. But he's out there, and a lot of these polls show Joe Biden in the lead among democrats but none of these polls really make a lick of difference at this point i seriously doubt joe biden has a shot at the nomination he he may be the most formidable candidate to trump in a general election but i really don't think he has a shot at getting the democrat nomination he's a guy he's old and he's white and he's been in politics for over 30 years And the Democrat Party has changed completely from just a few years ago. So statements that old Gropey Joe made back 20, 30 years ago um, are going to come back and haunt him. You can't take the position that Democrats took 20, 30 years ago and hold those positions now. You're a right-wing extremist, hateful, racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe. Whatever other kind of phobe they're throwing around, so yeah, Joe's got some serious problems. He's gonna have he's gonna have a lot of splaining to do <clears throat> if he runs uh, for the nomination. So I don't see him going anywhere. And then you got old Bernie, old Bernie the pushover, Bernie who let the DNC and Hillary Clinton push him all around last time. Let's be honest, Hillary stole that nomination from Bernie Bernie knows it Bernie knew it at the knew it at the time and Bernie did nothing Bernie did nothing and Bernie's got some problems too because like I said the Democrat Party has gone so far to the left that even crazy leftists like Bernie are finding a hard time being in that party not because he's not crazy left enough on the politics but the politics aren't enough you got to be the right identity now to get the Democrat nomination, to be a star on the Democrat Party. You got to be the right gender. You got to be the right color. Bar- Bernie isn't either of those two. He's a really white guy. Really, really white. With really, really white hair. Those things don't help. I've got an article here from something called. Pink News, and it talks about how Bernie is, and I've seen this other places too, this just happens to be the article I picked out, but Bernie is not happy with his party's obsession over identity politics. They write in this article, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders has criticized a drive for diversity within the Democrat Party. Uh oh. Oh, 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 oh. oh no, you didn't. You can't criticize a drive for diversity, Bernie. What are you thinking? The left-wing independent is reportedly planning to seek the Democrat nomination for president again in 2020. But media attention on the race has so far largely focused on younger Democrats such as Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke. This week Sanders who lost out to Clinton in 2016, pussed out is more like it, gave an interview to GQ in which he criticized identity politics and a move towards championing diversity in the party. In the interview, he said, there are people who are very big into diversity, but whose views end up being not particularly sympathetic to working people, whether they're white or black or Latino. Okay, that's not really a Bernie imp- I don't do impressions. I suck at impressions. I don't know why I did that voice, it just came out. My main belief is that we need to bring together a coalition of people, black and white and Latino and Asian American and Native American, around a progressive agenda which is prepared to take on an extraordinarily powerful ruling class in this country. That is my view. Many of my opponents do not hold that view and they think that we all need, what we all need is people who are candidates who are black or white who are black or Latino or women or gay, regardless of what they stand for. What is important is that the end result is diversity. Personally, I find this absolutely delicious. I love it. And I want to see more of this. The Democrats are eating their own. What the hell did you think was going to happen, Bernie? You have been part of this crap. You have been pushing this identity politics. You have been repeating all of this same garbage about how we need people who, are, you know, you've been you've been beating down white people. White privilege. How many times have you said white privilege, Bernie? How many times have you railed against the patriarchy, Bernie? How many times have you told us how we need more women in politics and we more need more blacks in politics and more of that? Everything based on identity politics. Now you're telling us that what we need are people, what you people in the Democrat Party need are, are people we can rally around based on your progressive values on ideas we have been telling you people that for a long time that going down this identity politics route is dangerous who cares about the color of someone's skin or what's between their legs or whatever in our politics we should only be concerned about what comes out of their mouth their thoughts their ideas what we want to do with the country who cares If we're going to be colorblind, then let's be colorblind. But you haven't been on that side of things, Bernie. You've been on the identity identity politics side for a long time. You've been full bore into that garbage. And now suddenly you want to pull your party back from the identity politics. Why? Why? Well, it's obvious why. Because you're a white guy. You're a heterosexual white guy. You're... Persona non grata in your party, thanks in part to people like you. So I personally love it. I love it that this is coming now back to bite you. It's sick that this is happening, and it's not good that this is that your party is gone in this direction. But given that it has, I like to see it come back and bite people like you right in the keister. So I want to see more of this. So poor Bernie, poor Bernie, he's getting problems. And, and of course, coming out and saying stuff like this, Bernie, isn't going to help you win the nomination. You might be feeling this. You might be upset about the identity politics, which you helped to create, but you certainly can't rail against it. You can't say this stuff publicly. You're going to come out and talk against diversity candidates? Are you kidding me? Oh, Bernie, 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 Bernie. Methinks you missed your shot, Bernie. Perhaps if you hadn't been such a puss, you could have been the nominee in 2016. And truth be told, I think Bernie Sanders would have been a more formidable candidate than Hillary. Okay, Bernie Sanders' followers actually liked him. Nobody really liked Hillary Clinton, not even her followers. That's why she couldn't get a lot of them to the polls. No one gave a crap. No one was all that jazzed about Hillary. And then on top of that, you add the fact that for months, the entire mainstream media was telling the entire country that Donald Trump had absolutely no chance that Hillary Clinton was absolutely guaranteed to win. She had like a 99.9% chance of winning. These people who aren't even that jazzed about Hillary, of course, stayed home. So that, that worked against Hillary. But Bernie had a much better chance to win that election, I believe, than Hillary did. But alas, Bernie's a wuss as most Democrat men are. And usually when I say Democrat men, I put the men in air quotes because there are very few men on that side anymore. What passes for manhood on the Democrat party you know, is, uh, is not really manhood as it has been known for a very long time. But so, that, so that's what you got, you got Bernie, you got Hillary, you got Kamala, you got Beto. Do we have any other top tier candidates? Maybe Elizabeth Warren? Maybe? She's got problems, too. Besides the fake Indian problem and her pathetic attempts at appearing relatable, like in that ridiculous video having a beer with her husband in the kitchen where she awkwardly thanks him, thank thank you for being here. Like, where else is he going to be? It's his friggin' kitchen. That was just cringe-inducing. That was ridiculous. But on top of that... You know, th- this party is going so far to the left that Elizabeth Warren, who also probably missed her shot, she should have ran in 2016, but she was scared of Hillary. She got forced out of, uh, you know, talked out of running. She is pushing so hard to the left to try to get noticed. And of course, the entire, I mean, this is going to be the problem with the democrat field is that there are so many of them and their party has become so left-wing crazy that they're going to just be in a constant state of trying to outdo each other with how far left they can go and in that attempt elizabeth warren recently came out with a wealth tax not a 70 percent or 90 percent income tax like the socialist Ocasio-Cortez is pushing, she wants to go even further than that. She wants a wealth tax. She wants the government to take a look at every single thing that you own, the cash in your savings account, in your retirement, in your property that you own, your house, your investments, everything, your cars, your personal property, all your accumulated wealth. They want to put a dollar figure on that and then take a chunk out of it. That's how far... That's asset seizure, my friends. That is confiscation of property. That's how far this party is going. And they're going to go much further than that. Make no mistake about it. That's just the opening salvo. We're only in January of 2019. They're just getting warmed up in terms of how far left these people are going to go. God only knows how far left they will be by November 2020. I shudder to think, and I shudder even more to think at the op th- that they might actually win. Let's hope that that isn't a possibility. But so, so that we, that's those are basically your your top tier. Then you got a whole bunch of people out there just trying desperately to be noticed that are just a ridiculous group of losers. You got Julian Castro. Uh, Actually, I don't even want to get into all of them. I've already gone way longer on this than I intended to. But you also have this problem. You got the possibility of independent leftists not running in the Democrat Party, but running for president as independents in the general election. And that is the apocalypse scenario for Democrats. If you get a rich liberal independent running in the general election against trump and against the democrat nominee who is going you know and and this independent is going to position themselves somewhere between the crazy left of the democrat party nominee and trump and try to stake out some middle ground that is the absolute apocalypse scenario for democrats because That person is not going to draw many Republican votes. The base of their vote is going to come from Democrats. From some people who still are a little tiny bit sane. Overall, insane. Because anyone who identifies with the left anymore is insane in my opinion. So far left have they gone. But people who are not quite as insane as the Democrat nominee but hate Trump and won't vote for a Republican, those people are going to be the group that would vote for this independent. And we have two people who might be doing exactly that. We have this um, what's his name? This Starbucks uh, CEO, this former Starbucks CEO, Schultz, Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz. He was just on 60 Minutes, and he's saying that he might run as an independent. This is a mega wealthy guy he is a leftist he absolutely hates Trump but he says he doesn't want to run as a Democrat well if he's in the general election that almost guarantees Trump's re-election but he's not the only one that the Democrats have to worry about as a threat to run independent you've got Michael Bloomberg out there he's like 10 times richer than Howard Schultz he's a billionaire he's a leftist But I doubt if he runs that he would run as a Democrat. He's been talking about running for quite a while. And he's been quiet of late. And many people think he is going to run. And the smart money is that he would run as an independent. I could see him running as a Democrat. I'm not going to rule that out. He certainly could run as an independent, uh, as a Democrat, and just outspend the hell out of everybody. I mean, nobody else would have a chance to compete with him. On the spending, so he he may decide that he would run in the Democrat side and just try to outspend everybody for the nomination. But if he runs as an independent with his wealth, his resources, he wouldn't have any problem getting on the ballots. And if he did, again, that would be the apocalypse scenario for Democrats. So the Democrat, the point of all of this, going through these uh, these top tier, quote unquote. Oh, by the way, did you see Trump's, you know, Trump can't help but tweet. And he did this tweet after Howard Schultz was on 60 Minutes. Trump gets on there and he writes this. Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run for president. Watched him on 60 Minutes last night and I agree with him that he is not the smartest person. Besides, America already has that. I only hope that Starbucks is still paying me their rent in Trump Tower I love it so this Schultz guy gets on there on 60 minutes talks about I might run for president as an independent and Trump immediately takes to Twitter starts mocking him starts goading him into running I mean that's what he's doing he he knows he's no idiot he knows that if Schultz runs as an independent, He's only helping Trump. So Trump is trying to goad him into running, calling him a coward and whatnot. Um, I love it. I love it. This this Democrat nomination, this general election is going to be, if anything else, highly entertaining. Now, as I said at the outset, please don't mistake this for some sort of overconfidence. We still have serious structural Problems to overcome in the Electoral College. I mean, last time Trump had to run the table on the swing states, which he did. And we need to pull that off every single time. Democrats just need one or two. We need to run the table. So we have problems. And no matter who they nominate, they start out with a whole bunch of states in their column and they just need a few of those swing states to push them over the top. Now, that whole mathematical equation can be thrown just completely out the window if there is some big money leftist independent running because suddenly a lot of these blue states that the democrats win every single time could be won by trump because of this independent siphoning off democrat votes uh and of course democrats know this which is why they are in a panic at the idea of a big money leftist running independent but we shall see we're really early in this there's going to be a lot more candidates jumping in. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some big-name candidates that aren't even on our radar screen right now that are going to come out of left field that are going to be a complete surprise. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't have any names in mind. But I just I think that uh, the next couple of years are going to be chock full of surprises, not only about events that are unforeseen, but political events that we can't possibly anticipate. There's going to be a lot of things that happen, and we're just going to have to wait and see. Probably things that have yet to happen are going to determine the outcome of the 2020 election. So to analyze it really right now and make solid predictions uh, is ridiculous at this point. But I think it is clear that the Democrat Party has some serious problems and that their whole nominating process is going to be a cluster it's going to be a cluster you know what um, with all these people and, and, and as left and radical as they're going to have to become in order to get the media attention and to get attention from these crazy based voters like I said they're just going to be in a constant competition to out leftist each other and uh, we'll see we'll see where that goes now um, We've got more to cover, but that's uh, that's going to do it today on the free side of things. I've got other things to cover. Like I said, we're going to talk about illegal votes in Texas. We're going to talk about more about these Covington kids and about Trump's tax returns and whether or not it's even constitutional for the Congress to demand Trump's tax returns via legislation. And we're going to discuss that over on Patreon. So if you want to hear the rest of today's show, you want to hear me discuss these topics, then please subscribe over at Patreon.com. Just search for Mark Pantano and uh, you'll find the Declaring Liberty podcast over there. The actual link is Patreon.com slash Mark Pantano. You can also go over to DeclaringLiberty.com. Got all the information over there on how to subscribe for full access to the Declaring Liberty podcast, including all the bonus episodes I'm going to be putting out there, which will include shorter episodes that deal specifically with certain topics that we're going to dive deeper into. I've got one up uh, that I put up the other day that uh, discusses a recent Obamacare case. You might have heard of it. Uh, it happened in December, so it kind of got lost in the Christmas holiday Um But a federal district court judge actually struck down and held unconstitutional all of Obamacare. And, of course, it's on appeal right now. But I broke down that case and explained the law to you, explained the Constitution to you, which if you just listen to media accounts of that case, you're not going to get. So if you want to understand that, you want the bonus stuff, you want to hear the rest of this episode, go over to Patreon.com and we'll continue the discussion. But for now, thank you for listening. See you back here next time.